0: All your base are belong to us. Hello and welcome to Fake Geek Girls, a podcast looking at nerdy pop culture from both a fan and critical perspective, encouraging the things we love to do better. I'm Missy, I'm a writer, and uh, uh... Fuck this month. Fuck this month, fuck last month, fuck all the months... All my homies
1: hate the months. It's true. I'm Mary, I'm a marketer, and I'm officially the reason this is coming to you late.
0: (laughs) It's okay. It was all me last month. Well, I got COVID. I'm fine. (laughs) I didn't give it
1: to anybody else, luckily. Um, Champion
0: COVID haver.
1: Missy had to get tested and didn't find out until 17 million years later that she didn't have it. Six
0: days. Um,
1: Don't get COVID. Yeah.
0: Don't. Try to avoid it. Try to avoid it. I I was fine. I'm having a cough right now, which just started, but I'm fine. Um, Yeah. You know, do your best. Try to avoid it. Yeah. Try to avoid spreading it. Yeah. It's rough out there. I would just like to say personal soapbox moment. Just a little soapbox moment for me. Um, Getting COVID is not a moral failing. Yeah. It felt like that way. If it happens to you, understand. It felt that way. It's not a moral failing. We are in a public health crisis. Yeah. felt. I wanted the like.
1: Like, I never got COVID. <laughs> <laughs> through it all. I saw this one TikTok
0: that was like, I feel like the people who haven't got COVID should get, like, a gold star or something. <laughs>
1: it was very funny.
0: I, I understand the mentality, but I also do worry about the moralizing of catching COVID because yeah. it does it's not a thing that happens to bad people. It's a thing that happens to a lot of people. Well,
1: and when you think how, how quickly, especially Omicron comes on, it's so difficult to isolate yourself before you even know, yeah. like mine came on two days after I was, I
0: was um, exposed
1: two days and yeah. like in the middle of the night.
0: So like it was really just a day and a half. Yeah, and, was, and like we saw Mary the the day yeah. that she started to to show symptoms for several hours. And so it's one of those things where we're just like, you know, luckily my husband and I tested negative and the other person we saw that day tested negative and so we were like, Hey, vaccines, they kick ass.
1: Yeah, and I'm positive the only reason mine wasn't bad is because I have a vaccine.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: It it would have been worse.
0: Yeah. So that's what we've been up to. So get vaccinated if you're not <laughs> um but we did do a lot in the time period in which we were not recording even with we and you know what i did finish the vampire this is really important i finished the vampire diaries i'm fucking free um and uh, that means that i finished the outline a week early wow i'm done with the outline which means i can start on the hellblazer outline um which is what she's been waiting for for eight years oh my oh my god. god since we started the podcast i've just been like we need to talk about hellblazer at some point. point eight years that, i've been doing this podcast yeah it's a long time we're coming up on eight years this year It's like seven and a half right now yeah wild um so i guess i'll go first because i have a lot Yeah. some of these i'm just going to kind of breeze through but um i read crooked kingdom Yay. by Lee Bardugo, the sequel to six of crows the uh teen heist story that i'm pretty sure was not originally about teens but somebody somebody in marketing said, no, this has got to be YA. Yeah. <laughs> because I agree. Cause there's a lot of
1: murder <laughs> a lot happening here. And then you're like, Oh wait, he's 17 teens. Like <laughs> fucking, uh, uh, Inej was like
0: sold into prostitution at 14. Yeah. Like, and like, I can, I can, yeah, it's just a lot. Um, this, this is the second book in the series. So in the first book, they're doing an, a heist on the, uh, ice, not ice crown citadel that's world of warcraft (laughs) the ice court i think is what it is um trying to uh kidnap the inventor of a drug that makes the grisha super powerful um in book two the heist went pretty well from a certain point of view and um However, at the end of book one, uh this is spoilers for book one, uh Inej ends up captured by uh Bad guy. Van Neck. Is this yes, it? it's Van Neck. Van Neck, yeah. He ends up cap- captured by or she ends up captured by Van Neck, who is Wylan's father because the original plan was to use Wylan as a hostage and like do some sort of exchange because obviously the father loves his son no it turns out he fucking hates wyland
1: which is just a crime just a crime just a crime wyland is my son he is perfect in every way his development in this book was so good
0: love that boy love Love that boy love
1: him i love his boyfriend
0: yes i love them so much they are my my son and my son-in-law
1: finally kiss oh
0: so cute um
1: when his dad comes and he just wants to show when when jesper's dad comes and and they just want to show him that he's a good kid so cute
0: so cute so in book two um everything has kind of fallen apart um even the well no everything did fall apart they didn't get the money they lost an edge they're bad at heists they're like they did pretty well at the heist portion but there were some unaccounted for variables despite the appearance that they had everything accounted for. So in book two, they are once again, trying to get, trying to get the money that they want so they can free themselves from their various, um, figurative. Yeah. Figurative shackles, uh, or literal (laughs) shackles. Um, and they need to rescue an edge. They need to get the three million Kruga. 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 Sorry, I, did, I read the text. I don't know how things are said, and I did not read the glossary. Are you kidding? Do I read a glossary? No, I invent pronunciations. Um, I loved this one. I think I actually liked it more than the first one. Um, I think because I am a little gremlin who loves it when things are going poorly for characters I love. Like, that's what makes an intriguing story for me. And things were going very poorly. Very poorly. In this book for the characters that I love and they were suffering. And I was like, I am so sorry that I am enjoying your suffering, but I am. Um has this
1: backstory
0: oh it was so good it so fucked up so good so up. fucked up so fucked up um but i lo- i loved this book there was only one thing i didn't like about it and i can't it's a huge enormous spoiler the biggest it's a so tune out so it's a big old i'm not gonna say exactly what really? it is but there is a death and In particular it, and it's not that I felt the death was unearned. It's not that I felt the death was poorly executed. I think it was well executed. All I will say is that this character found a way to disappoint me even in death. And there you have it. That's my take on Crooked Kingdom. And again, this is not the fault of Lee Bardugo. I'm not like. Oh, what a bad job you've
1: done. No, he just is that good of a character that he disappointed you again.
0: Yeah, he just dis- dis- disappointed
1: me just one last not, time. Just not your, your cup of tea. No, that is not my child. Not, not my beloved child. Do you like how it ended with Inej and, and, and Kaz and he's like, I found your parents. Yeah, that was cute. It's very cute. At first I was like, this is corny. And then I'm like,
0: no, they're only 17. <laughs> they deserve this. <laughs> be corny my little children i want
1: it i want Um, to see your mom i was
0: really impressed with their relationship and how it developed and like how difficult it was for them Mm -hmm. i thought that was really well done um so yeah i had a great time reading this book i thought it was really good i am excited to check out Lee Bardugo's other books um because i really enjoyed this and i think that this is a good example of like how YA can still be gritty and difficult, but in a way that is not like traumatizing for, for young readers. You know, young readers are capable of handling, you know, a murder, several murders. I mean, there's some, a lot of traumatization. There's a lot there. of traumatizing, but I think that being able to access that those emotions through fictional characters can be really healthy. Um, so I really liked it and I'm excited to read some of her other work just to kind of see like what else she's doing. I love that other one I read and I know you'll ninth house. It, yeah, I know. you yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, I'll check that one out sometime, but yeah, I really enjoyed crooked kingdom and I think I liked it actually even more than the first one. Nice.
1: I watched eternals the... or
0: externals as you put on that line. <laughs> I said, was
1: I watched eternals, which is the Marvel movie about, um, Aliens based off of Greek
0: mythology. I don't know. F- I know fuck all about Eternals, so, so I am interested in what. How was the sex scene? The famous sex scene. What sex scene. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best possible <laughs> response. Everybody made a big deal about there being a sex scene in Eternals because it's like the first Marvel sex scene.
1: I don't remember a sex. I mean, it wasn't very. It wasn't very good. So I like. Hold on. I gotta look at that. now. <laughs>
0: I think it's so fun. Your response was perfect. I will I will have the audience know we did not rehearse this. No. That was that was pure I remember there was there was like, oh, Eternals has the first sex scene and I wanted to know what Mary thought of it.
1: Oh, it's it's between the two main people and I literally don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I when I google sex scene Eternals, um the first po- uh post that comes up is Marvel's big big eternal sex scene is a dud for a reason. And then I click on it it says Eternal's awful sex scene. It's kind of a clever, kind of clever the second time around. I'm not watching it again. <laughs> um, no, it's about these alien. There's so much going on in this movie. There's about these aliens who come, uh, it starts like in Mesopotamia times and essentially they're sent, they're sent to Earth um, to help the humankind progress. So they show them plows and like how to grow things. So and it's ancient Aliens. Y- yes. Uh, 100%. 100% it is. Okay. 100%. Each one has their own like special gift or whatever like one of them can mind read uh, or not mind read, can um, control people with their mind. One of the girls she's deaf but she, which is really cool that was really cool. She's deaf and they use sign language which was really cool and uh, she's really, really 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 fast and um someone can shoot lasers out of their eyes as one does um, <laughs> the most useful yeah. power and then the one girl who I really loved she can turn rocks into things <laughs> and there's a, there a joke in there of like how lame that sounds um, but it does come in handy but it was, it was funny anyway so they, they do this and then they, when, when they get to, apparently when they get the human race to a certain point they can be called back to their home planet Olympus they're named things like Fina
0: Mm-hmm. and um, Sprite, is that one? Uh, no. Uh, are you asking me about if that's a Greek god, or are you asking me if that's an eternal? Both. Hold on. I don't think that's a Greek god.
1: Harry Styles is in it. <laughs> the Very end. <laughs> Good. He plays, his, like, his 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 is the best.
0: Does the he best play best.
1: himself? Star Fox? I don't know if you know who that is.
0: From the N64? I don't know. From the that, SNES? Too, he played that. <laughs> Um, Let's see. Oh, I feel like Harry Styles could play Star Fox. I feel like Harry Styles could do a lot. I feel like I feel like like the cartoon. Yeah, I feel like Harry Styles' persona might be <laughs> Star Fox. <laughs> okay, so the people, the names, I don't know. I can't talk. I don't know about Ajax.
1: That's one, right? Ajax.
0: It's very similar to Ajax, who's a hero of There's, the the Trojan War. That's right.
1: Icarus. Agris, Pena, um and then a few a few others. But okay, essentially yeah. the idea is that all the ancient stories came from them. Okay. Um Ew, Ajax? Ajax is on the Hayek, and she's like the leader.
0: Interesting. That is not the in in the Trojan War you have little Ajax and big Ajax and one of them is like super a rapist. Oh. Um, well,
1: spoilers. Turns out she knew the secret that essentially they were sent there to uh, grow the population, so the big men can be born out of the earth and kill everything.
0: The big men. I don't the know. The titans. What, yeah, the titans. <laughs>
1: um, and she knew. Mm. Um, also, it's kind of funny because the one guy who played Robb Stark is in it, and his girlfriend is Gemma Chan, who is Cersei. And that was just and, and and Kit Harington is in it. Who played Jon Snow? Mm-hmm. And he, they're both with Cersei. Oh, not at the same time. That's not the sex scene. That was memorable. <laughs>
0: um,
1: so that was kind of funny. Uh, but you know what? This movie was fine. It could have been really good. I think it, it was a really like fun. This idea, it was fun. It was really fun until it wasn't. Oh, they had to also like kill. Uh, fuck. What are they called? I don't know. Little monster things that were apparently are sent to do something I don't know the movie was a lot it was a lot it was a lot a lot and it could have been really good but it wasn't I think the most frustrating thing about this, this movie was the, uh, the gymnastics they did to explain why they did not help Earth when Thanos snapped his fingers <laughs> Especially, it especially doesn't make sense because the reason that they're there is to grow the population and by not stepping in they let the population go in half it made no sense they, made, they did so many mental gymnastics. And I'm just like, it just doesn't make sense, guys. Just say you didn't know what was happening. Say, say, I don't know, do anything. It was stupid. So, I don't know. It was okay. It was a Marvel movie. There were some really cool moments. I really liked the main girl. Um, I thought a lot of stuff, the, the, the character Sprite, um, they were a child. And they're essentially a child forever. And the, the way that they have to deal with the fact that they've lived hundreds of thousands of years as a child and never be able to like, grow up was a really interesting interesting um, story to go down but ultimately it was fine if you really love Marvel and you're like love everything Marvel puts out you'll have no issue with this mm-hmm. it's definitely Marvel I like the things coming from um, Greek mythology and Roman mythology I'm going to assume is in there too from some of the things that were said um I, people you don't expect to be in Marvel movies in it, like Selma Hayek and um, Angelina Jolie, like I would have never put them in I I don't know why, but <laughs> I'm just thinking about it. I don't know why. I feel like Angelina Jolie seems like a normal fit, but for some reason, I just don't see her in it. But she was, so it just, so joke's on me. <laughs> uh, anyways, it was fine. I don't have much to say about it, but it was weird. Turning them into gymnastics could have been cool. Um, the relationship between. Uh, Two of the Teens was the best one.
0: (laughs) Very nice. Yeah. I read Devotions by Mary Oliver, which is a collection of Mary Oliver's poetry. um, I believe curated by Mary Oliver herself. Um, So Mary Oliver is a very famous poet. um, And she is known for writing poetry that is very uh, simple to read. Like she does not write... Especially flower. Well, it's, there's a lot of flowers in it. But it's not, uh, um, it's not difficult to read is the thing. And so Mary Oliver is kind of a love her or hater poet. Um, I read a review as I was reading this book because I love to punish myself. Uh, I read a review of somebody who really didn't like the book because they didn't find it to be poetry. Which I thought was a really fascinating take that I disagree with wholeheartedly. But I say that as somebody who has previously myself questioned whether something I was reading was poetry or not but I think that poetry is not so easily defined this person in particular was saying they didn't think it was poetry because it didn't have a rhyme or a meter or a form um, and it wasn't lyrical in the way that you would expect and I was like well I disagree with you but that's an interesting view of poetry and then it reminded me when, of when I was in college and I took I had to take poetry class as part of my degree because I studied creative writing and um, I was presented with a poem that I did not like and that did not have rhyme or meter or uh, like line breaks it was essentially a big paragraph and I asked my teacher why is this poetry and I didn't really like this teacher in particular and he said something of to the effect of I don't know why is it poetry and I was like I fucking hate this class (laughs) um but now as you know I'm older and not so grumpy um debatable I'm grumpy in different ways oh I'm saying you're not older never age Um, I disagree. My knees would disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, I, I think actually it is a really useful question. Um, what is poetry? I don't know. I think, you know, it when you see it and, and to me, Mary Oliver is in fact poetry. And I think most people would agree with me <laughs> just because like, she's a famous poet. But <laughs> I don't think I'm alone in saying that Mary Oliver's poetry, but I did think it was an interesting thing to think about, especially because her poetry is so accessible Um, even to people who don't normally like poetry. And I think that that's not a bad thing. Um, I am a famous lover of work that lacks subtlety. Uh, It's kind of my whole thing. It's your whole personality. It's my whole personality. Um, Probably because I myself find it so difficult to express any kind of sentiment whatsoever. Um, So when something isn't subtle, I'm like, fuck, that's brave. Damn, get it. Uh, which is how I feel about Mary Oliver. So Mary Oliver writes this poetry that is uh, almost treats the natural world. I don't, I I shouldn't say almost that treats the natural world as holy is the best way that I can think to describe it. Um, The way that she writes is uh, reverent of the natural world and of the sanctity of life and engaging with the world and i find it really beautiful not every poem hits it out of the park for me but if you can find me a poetry book in which i love every poem then you are a powerful being because i don't think it exists um but i i I really really loved it um if you are poetry curious um Mm -hmm. if you also love the natural world i think that mary oliver is a great place to start So they're very straightforward and they kind of, they, they don't, they don't resist interpretation. And I find that refreshing sometimes. So I really liked this book. Um, like I said, I didn't love every poem in it. Um, but there were some really good ones and I think it paired really nicely with the fact that I had just read braiding sweetgrass. Um, and I arranged them purposefully with that intent on my to be read pile. Um, but again, if you aren't sure if you like poetry, if you think you might like poetry, but you haven't really given it a shot, if you, like me, were burned by your elementary school and middle school and high school ways of teaching poetry, it's worth giving it a shot. And just read Wild Geese. It's really good and everybody loves it. So
1: I read The Fine Print, which is a book that I think that they're like, what would Mary like? This is it. Um, <clears throat> it is a book about a girl who works at Dreamland which is Disneyland it is Disneyland and a guy who inherits he's 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 going to inherit a third of the company when his grandfather dies but to get that money he has to go work as the the director for Dreamland and when he goes, he's very grumpy man, and she's very sunshine. This is a grumpy sunshine. This is great. It's just it's just all these things being ticked off for me. <laughs> and he goes, and she walks in with her penny skateboard late, and says some like things. She just like doesn't follow rules, and he immediately doesn't like her because she doesn't follow rules. And he's in his suit, and um immediately becomes like fascinated with her of why she doesn't follow rules and how she's so different. And he doesn't believe that she can have such a, like a kind heart and like a, a beautiful way of looking at things because he's his whole life. He grew up and it's just been about money and the business and not being weak. Uh, You come to find out he used to draw, but then due to a lot of other things, he stopped um, because his dad kept calling him weak for it because it's not something you can make a lot of money off of and um so he thinks that she has like these ulterior motives and come to find out she's just a good person (laughs) (laughs) she's just a good person and so the whole thing is that to get to to actually get his inheritance he has to go be the director for six months and create some type of something new for the park that will make that'll make it better and so he creates, he has the creators, which were Imagineers. He ends up hiring her on. She used to work um, at like one of, just one of the shops. And because she, she has this great idea. And, and through the book, you know, they fall in love and everything, blah, blah, blah. But they continue to try to work on something to um, present at the end. And that's where it's all heading to. But throughout the whole, the rest of the book... I can't remember what it was, but her sister has some type of disability. And so one of the things that she really worked on a lot is um, creating the, the park like, more accessible for people with disability. like um, Even down to like uh, creating sensory hours and things like that for kids. And so that kind of feels like the way that it's going to go. But throughout the whole book, there's lots of mentions of him not understanding like people aren't paid enough here. He made he made decisions to make sure people didn't get paid more or to cut health insurance to to not like to to a cheaper plan. And people aren't able to they're having to work multiple jobs. And he's finding all these things like he doesn't understand. like Why does someone have to work? Why can't you just drop work and go on vacation? Why can't this person afford the, these medications? Why has your family not taken a vacation since you were two years old? And I was like, yes, get, like this is good. This is good, right? In the end, he does not choose the the disability. Well, he doesn't. He does kind of. His decision is not nothing. None of the decisions that the other people made, the creators. He decides to uh, go in and restructure everybody's pay, pay them twice as much as they're making, better health insurance, more days off. I'm like, yes absolutely i was gonna be so mad if this isn't how it went but i'm like this book truly is for me <laughs> truly is for me and i love it and it was so good and it was so cute and it's just another one of those ones where it's like super cute um the the tension in it is like the banter is really good the climax is like it's like one of those it doesn't make me anxious it doesn't feel like this like big thing you know they're not angry at each other forever um, and it was just sweet and fun, and I'm excited to read the next one about one of his brothers. And it was just like, you know, oh, here's a romance book about people who work at Disneyland. One of them is angry man, and one of them is <laughs> sweet, su- kind soul. And there's a lot of diversity in it. And, uh, I should take that back. There's not a lot of diversity in it, but there's a lot more diversity in it than you find in a lot of other um, popular romance novels mm-hmm. currently. And I appreciated that um, she's Indian, and like one of the things that she brings up is like she wants to create a new parade that's all um, uh, Hindu weddings. It was it was really cool, and he drew it for her, and was very sweet. Um, but yeah, it was really good. It was just really sweet, and I really liked it. I read it after reading the book i'm going to talk about next and um that pissed me off so this like made me happier again <laughs> it was just like yes disneyland yes romance yes i'm here for this i'm here for i'm here oh yes capitalism is bad yes here we go i'm ready so it was really good it's called the fine print and it was by um oh Laura lauren asher lauren asher and she does some other books that I haven't read, but um, this is the first in a trilogy, I believe. Nice. Um, it's like the billionaires, something, something. The next one is about his brother, who clearly who has to have an arranged uh, marriage to get his his inheritance. We don't know the full story. What his, kind of will? <laughs> well, the whole thing, the whole thing about it was his grandpa was trying to get his his, in particular, in this one, his kid, his grandson, to embrace his creative side again mm. and embrace like being a kid because he had to grow up really quickly his mom died mm. and to not have to want to do everything just like to get money so I that see. was the whole point and the next one is about it seems like what it's gonna be is the brother is all about business he's supposed to be the ceo he that's what he's inheriting mm. and he has no time for women or any type of relationship or having kids just not in his, in his plan. So his thing is that he has to find a wife and have a child. Okay. Um, it's definitely going to be his secretary. Like like for sure. Like it's in the, it's in the, it's in the, um, It's in the summary for the next one, but it's like an arranged marriage and oh no, they fall in love. So I'm excited for that. she definitely seems like one of the, like, it seems like the secretary is going to be like, like, I literally have no time to fall in love. So let's not. And I love that. I love when it's like he starts pining for her and she's like, actually, I'm too busy for this. So I'm excited.
0: Nice. Um, Now I have watched The Matrix. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not going to talk about it too much, A, because I watched it several weeks ago, and B, because Mary just talked about it. But here's my take on The Matrix, and I know you were all waiting. I don't really enjoy the experience of watching The Matrix. It's not a genre that I particularly care for. But I'm so glad that this movie exists. Uh, It was so fun. Like, uh, First of all, it is important to note Keanu Reeves is a fucking babe in this movie. Like, I a lot of people really like are really attracted to Keanu Reeves at all times in history. But like, something about his face in this one, he was just a total babe. And of course, I said that a lot. And my husband was like, "Is it because he was bloody through a lot of the movie?" (laughs) And I was like, "Listen, I'm not saying that's not a factor. I'm just saying that I noticed he was a babe even when he wasn't bloody. So, you know, um, but like, I love." the Wachowskis commitment to just doing whatever the fuck they want the boldness that they're yeah I love it they're like we're gonna do this and then they do it with no shame and I'm like I love that I love that this movie's like we are a cyberpunk kung fu philosophy uh western I was like yeah you are and I love that for you I may not be enjoying this movie as much as a lot of other people. But every time they would switch genres, I would be like, "Yes. <laughs> yes, I love it." Um so my yeah, my take on the Matrix is I'm really glad it exists. It I should get I should have given it more credit than I did. Um as far like the the allegory of the cave as we talked about is very clear in the movie. That's not a, something they're trying to hide. But there is some interesting stuff about like Uh, I can't remember. It might be Derrida. might be Baudrillard. There's interesting stuff about Derrida and Baudrillard in this movie. But um, the idea of simulacra and simulacrum and um, all that kind of stuff. And in the video game, they just straight out name drop David Hume like just uh, my my husband played the video game and he was showing me the opening scene from the video game and they're like as Hume said and I was like whoa <laughs> I love this I love that they I love that this extremely popular piece of media just said as Hume said I feel like this is such
1: a weird thing but like to me this isn't one hundred percent not what you are talking about. Like Hume sounds like he's a magician. <laughs> like I feel like I am going to go see with Dave Maybe because it's David, right? Yeah, it's David Hume. Because I am thinking David Copperfield, but like I feel like I am going to go see David Hume in Vegas.
0: <laughs> Chris Angel, David yeah. Hume. <laughs> yeah. Right? What's the difference? Like <laughs> it immediately, it's like oh, he's a magician. Um, it's
1: philosopher magician. What's the difference?
0: Really? That'd be sick.
1: That's true. That is a true philosophical question. What's if, the difference?
0: Yeah. If you the philosophy magic show if that exists out there is the perfect media for me and my husband it's true like somebody putting together a magic show based on philosophy my husband and i would eat that shit you know what
1: though you could like allegory of the cave like making things disappear and shit like this could work work. this could work work.
0: who is the philosopher magician (laughs) please at me let me know um Yeah, I like I said, it's the Matrix is not really for me in terms of like genre. Um, I'm just not I'm not really a sci fi aesthetics person. I'm not really a cyberpunk person. Um, So on that level, it didn't do it for me. But I still appreciated the hell out of this movie for being so fucking bonkers yeah it's not subtle and, uh, and I appreciated the fact that because I, I hadn't seen the movie since high school so I was really operating off of my high school perception and like what I remembered of it and so I expected a very straightforward chosen one narrative and like it is a chosen one narrative don't get me wrong but I appreciate that Neo did not actually become the chosen one until he chose to be co- become the, cho- the ch- <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ until he, be- he chose to become the chosen one like the, choos- the-, the one doing the choosing <laughs> was not some The Chosen. The t- <laughs> the, it the, the it what? was The Chosen. The choosing was done by The Chosen. <laughs> you know what I mean. That's why it works. I thought that, that like was there was there was enough subversion and enough um, playfulness that the movie was not as self-serious as I thought it was going to be. And I had a good time watching it, even though, like I said, it wasn't for me. Yeah.
1: I read The Chase by Elle Kennedy. Um, I re- recently read her other book. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's the deal is what it's called and I really liked that one and then I wasn't really gonna read one of her other books because I thought it was good. I liked it but it wasn't like oh I gotta read the next one but then I saw that this one was about one of the boys as a gamer and I was like yeah I'm here for I'm here for gamer romance novels. Gamer. I'm sorry I am one of my favorite Raylo fan fictions is um, a esports one and I love it so I was like yeah I'll read that um, it was fine it was about it wasn't fine I did not like it <laughs> Um, I liked it, but there's so many things that piss me off about it that I can't like it. Mm. Um, It's about a girl, I, I was so, I can't even, I'm so bogged down by the things I didn't like it, I'm having to really rack my mind about what this is about. A girl who's like socialite type person, loves purses and is a fashion major, blah, 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 falls in love with her brother's hockey teammate, and friend who is um, essentially like has spoken three words to her and it's like really rude to her obviously because he likes her and he's like I can't get with my friend's sister but um, and so she ends up losing her spot in the in the sorority house that she's in because she accidentally set the other sorority house at Brown on Fire. Oh. And so they're like, we can't have you here. And she's like, fuck you guys. (laughs) And so she needs a place to stay and then she ends up staying, her brother sets her up to stay in the house with the boy that she likes. He doesn't know that. And two, like three hockey players, essentially, which like, brother, what do you think is going to happen here? What do you They're all falling in love with this girl, clearly. (laughs) Um, But I think his idea is like, they can protect her, which they do. Um, and yeah, like like one like the two two other boys love her. She makes a new friend. One of the boys loves the friend, um and she only likes the one guy. And it's just like, will they? Won't they? Through the whole thing, typical romance out But what pissed me off about this book is the way in which she talks about feminism and other women. It's very surface level, and it's a lot of like we need to like lift each other up like women need to lift each other up we've gone so long (laughs) you know
0: it's like that it's like that song in crazy (laughs) ex-girlfriend the one that uh is it vanessa is that her name yes Valencia? Valencia. valencia valencia the one that valencia sings that's like women gotta stick together each and everyone yeah and then she goes on and insults every yeah. woman around that,
1: her that's
0: 100
1: 100% <laughs> what it is but I don't think that the author is like conscious of that no. she'll she'll like there's for an example one of the girls accuses her and her friend of like hitting on one of, one of the her boyfriend who it? What really happened is the boyfriend hit on them, and she comes over. She's drunk and she's calling him like a slut. Blah blah. blah. She's like, "Don't call me a slut," and she's like, "We worked so hard. Women have worked so hard to be using that word." Blah blah blah. And she keeps using it, and so she punches her. <laughs> and like, I don't know. It just didn't feel good. Like mm-hmm. there, there's times I'm like, yeah, punching her that would feel good, but it didn't really feel good because the feminism, the attempt at feminism in this book was so bad. There's like. But it just felt like a a reason. Like it felt like I got to give her a reason to punch this girl.
0: Yeah, I think that there's there's a fixation among like especially like liberal like centrists and like maybe slightly left of center liberals. There's a fixation on the language and using the appropriate word and very little emphasis on like why that's important. So like... There's a there's a problem obviously like we shouldn't use slurs of course, okay, obviously that goes without saying. But at the same time, like if you all you if your entire approach to activism is just like, hey, don't say the naughty word, and nothing about improving living conditions for marginalized yeah. people, then your activism's kind of fucking busted.
1: Yeah, and that's <laughs> how. Like that's what it felt it felt like she was saying these things, Like in it, I was reading Missy earlier. She says something. She has this whole paragraph about. Just like I said before, we got to lift the women up, blah, blah, blah. And then she's like, but I'm not a radical feminist. I think that I don't think all men are demons and should die. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, okay, that's like, not, that, that. none of this is like, literally no part of that is working together.
0: Yeah. It's one of those things like, and we talked about this as well, but the idea, like if, if I believe that they were using the term radical feminist appropriately as in like to refer to like, a specific type of feminism that exclude like, well, I mean there's, there's, you know, trans, trans exclusionary radical feminists and there are sex worker, mm-hmm. exclusionary radical feminists, but those are branches of radical feminism and radical feminism is in fact, its own type of feminism with its own set of beliefs that in- includes, but doesn't always include, sometimes includes things like being anti-pornography, even anti-sex, mm-hmm. um, like, I am not a radical feminist. I don't believe that all men deserve to die. Um, But when I say that, I mean something different than I think this author means. No, this
1: this really reminded me of a um, interview with Lady Gaga, like in the early 2000s, where someone said, "Um, are you a feminist? And she said, no, I love men. Yeah. Like that's how it feels to me, whether or not Lady Gaga was actually like joking or not, but like, and her opinion could have changed yeah and it (laughs) obviously could have changed um whether like that's how it felt it felt like i'm a feminist but like i'm okay with non-feminist things happening in in quotes non-feminist things happening Mm -hmm. i think part of it is because this is another hockey book and i think a lot of these books tend to have possessive men in them Mm -hmm. and there's this feeling that you can't be a feminist and like read these books there's a really common TikTok I see where like picking up like th- these books specifically like other mafia books and stuff and like dark dark romance books but I, I don't read those so I don't know how bad they are in that but I'm gonna assume it's much more than just this <laughs> but um Where it's like, oh, no, there goes my feminism. (laughs) It's like it's like you're putting it on the back burner to read these, which I don't think you have to put your feminism on the back burner to read this. Like I can enjoy this possessive man and still be a feminist. Like Mm -hmm. I can I can still do that. And the fact that I can still do that is really intrinsic to my feminism. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just really frustrating just just you didn't have to do the. I don't know. It just felt really sloppy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and then in the end, to just tie it all together, she um, there's a sexual assault that happens, and first no one really believes her. The sexual assault didn't happen. This I thought was done well. The sexual assault to her did not happen, but she kept getting creepy vibes from this man who's very high high power, and he would make sexual innuendos, and but only when they were around. And she said something to her. um her advisor who didn't like her and he said like you're making some pretty big claims like has anything happened and and like no nothing has really happened but he said these things that that are innuendos but could not be um because like she has to uh have special time aside because she has learning disabilities and so she needs uh time to write to do tests longer or to to give oral presentations instead and so he's made some joke about giving her time to do an oral presentation and like that's gross but like he literally is giving her time to do an oral presentation Mm -hmm. so it's one like i thought that was done really well and like all these things that can happen and people are like well nothing really happened and start you start feeling like well maybe i'm wrong like that gaslighting happening but then in the end she finds him sexually assaulting he essentially sexually assaulted another girl and her dad's a lawyer first of all and She talks to him and essentially they agree to go to the dean's house instead and bring up these assault allegations and they decide not to go to the police because nothing's going to happen anyways. And their names will get like drug through through the mud, which is, yeah, absolutely happens. But also this is a book. In which you can make that not happen. And mm-hmm. like when you pair it with everything else, it's frustrating, especially since one of the other plots in this book is about the, uh, the boy is a hockey player, but he also wants to be a game developer. And some of the things that happen are just so ridiculous. And like like he's gonna make all this money. He's gonna be like a millionaire game developer and like all these really ridiculous things. And
0: I'm like, if you can make that happen, you can at least allow them to report this to the to the police i this is a genuine question what do you think that she the author meant by that statement of we can't take this to the police because nothing's going to happen like what do you think she intended there
1: i, I mean i think she inted, like that's that's often happens and right. so i think that's what she that's what she was saying but it just it didn't there were two people there was plenty of i feel like in the end there was plenty of reason enough reason that they could have gone to the police. Her dad's also a lawyer. Like Mm -hmm. it just seemed like all these things
0: like fell into place and you knew where it was going to go. And then nothing happens. I think so. Like, I don't know. I'm of two minds about this now. I didn't read the book. So keep that in mind. Once again, here I am to run my mouth about something I didn't actually (laughs) consume in any way. Um, I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with making that statement. But when you pair it with everything else she did about feminism, it leaves a bad taste. I don't know. I like I said, I'm of two minds about it because I I, like when I the reason I asked what you think she intended by it is like is she making a statement about how society treats sexual assault, or is is she just because like I think the more impactful way to go about that would be to have the characters report it to the police and then see nothing done. But I don't know. It just it's complicated. It felt I definitely think she was making a statement of like you
1: report things and nothing happens. But it didn't feel like she with everything else that happened in this book, like even to the point of the the person who was sexually assaulted, she was like, we could have been friends. And then her saying like, actually, no, that's I definitely would have never been friends with her because she went on a date with my boyfriend. Um, I don't know. It just didn't feel I just the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, I don't. I don't like this. Like there's every. She was rich. Mm-hmm. She was like filthy, filthy rich. Her both of her parents were lawyers. There were two of them were able to come forward and say something, and there were clearly others as well. And I just kind of felt like it sort have of been a really. I don't know. It didn't sit well with me. Mm -hmm. It just didn't sit well with me. It sounds like at the
0: very least it just wasn't executed well.
1: I think that's ultimate. I don't think she had any malicious intent. Definitely not. She definitely wasn't saying like, oh, it doesn't matter. She was definitely saying like, you can report these things and nothing will happen. And that's frustrating. And I definitely think that. But it just felt like she had every, it just didn't all fit together right. And it just left a bad taste in my mouth. Mm -hmm. It just didn't, it just didn't work for me. But yeah. That's all I gotta say. Okay. It was fine. It was a fine book. If you really like these books, like I, you're you're good. But it just you're so valid. You're so valid. <laughs> it just frustr everything together just really frustrated me, and it didn't feel it didn't feel like I don't know. It just loved it. it just the more I thought of it, the more I'm like, no, I don't think that was great. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: stuff with the I'm not a radical feminist just pissed me off. Yeah, that'll do it um i watched yes god yes which is sort of a dark comedy film about this girl who what happened again it's been a couple hold on let me look it up it's been a little bit since i watched it you watched this too right yes god yes Uh, yeah you did i'm pretty sure Yes yes, it yes, God, yes, yes, I did. Yes, God, yes, I did. Yes, God, yes. Oh, so it is about this young, like this teenage girl who goes to a Catholic high school and who has a sexy AIM chat and rumors are going around. It takes place in like the mid 2000s or the early. Oh, no, it is just 2000. It takes place in 2000. Um, she. There's rumors going around that she... <laughs> that she tossed the salad of a classmate, but she doesn't know what that means. Um, and then she also um, goes on to like AOL chat rooms and has a sexy has a sexy chat where she's just kind of like, you know, she has curiosity about what's going on. And she ends up going to this sort of retreat, um, this like Christian retreat, and all kinds of things happen. Um, she goes on to another AOL chat room there and asks about what tossing salad means. (laughs) And, uh, she, um, catches like the leader, the, the father watching porn. Um, and she watches like the supposed, like, girl she's supposed to look up to as a christian um given a dude a blow job and like it's just all about hypocrisy right like there's just like she's being sent here and she's made to feel so wrong for having sexual urges even though she hasn't done anything sexual other than she does masturbate but like that's normal for a teenager um she uh She's made to feel wrong and dirty for all of these things, only to find out that all the people around her are doing them as well, and just punishing other people for perceived sins. Um, I really liked it. I, I, it was a bit too real, and,
1: <laughs> and it has that like muted color,
0: like it feels yeah. like melancholy. There was times in that movie where I was like, oh, I've been there. <laughs> the The whole tossed salad thing felt very like me. <laughs> What does that mean? What does that mean? (laughs) And then having to like ask Randos what it means. That does, it seems like something I would have done. Um, But I I really liked it. I thought it was funny and I thought it was effective. Um, Especially like the levels of hypocrisy. One of my favorite features of the movie was the disgusting food. That she was eating, that everybody was eating all the time. Oh, yeah. There's this emphasis on, like, cleanliness and purity throughout the movie. But then she's, like, eating, like, huge amounts of cheese balls. And then, like, when they go to the Christian camp, which, again, all about purity and that kind of thing and they're served walking tacos which is just a bag of fritos with taco stuff put into it um that kind of like element of hypocrisy again as somebody who grew up in a very very religious town um where you know you could hand out bible passages at lunch and and that kind of thing um it 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 struck me as very true to life. Yeah. It was obviously like over the top. It's a it's a it's a dark comedy, um, but like I was like yeah, it, it really it's a little too close to home. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was good. It wasn't like really groundbreaking, and I think it was kind of slow, especially for a really short movie. Like it was just over an hour. Um, it like the pacing could have been a little bit better, but overall I enjoyed it and I, I had fun watching it. And I was like that was that it accurate that was accurate i didn't go to like a christian camp and i myself did not grow up christian um but that's just how accurate it was but that's how like i'm like yeah this is what it what it felt like to grow up in this circumstance <laughs> um let me tell you about dwarven rations they're rations for dwarves yep that's all you need that's to know it.
1: thank you for coming to thanks TED Talk. bye
0: no dwarven rations are cakes they're delicious and they are cakes made in bermuda and shipped worldwide Um, and they make these cakes I I didn't I scrolled down too far they make artisanal cakes with dedication to quality Uh, they have a bunch of flavors traditional so lemon and Madagascar vanilla chocolate life and light and fluffy yet brownie like swizzle Michigan cherries apricots pineapple orange and lemon like a rum punch coconut coconut shreds with with the rum cake flavor so like a pina colada and Rub and ginger, so apricots and ginger in the spirit of a dark and stormy. Even better, each one of these cakes comes with a random tabletop RPG die in the box. So not only do you get cake, you get a die as well. That's all you need. What What more do you need? That's you as, the beam, as the beam the- as the beamles. as as the Beatles famously said, all you need is cake and an RPG die. It's true. Uh, they, they also offer a low cost custom advertising cake kit for people who want to offer merch products for their fan base, but don't want to have to buy and ship the inventory themselves because that sucks. Um, so you book with them. They'll make the cakes. Your fans order. They send the cakes out for you. Um, so you get the cash as the cakes sell. So that's great for starting up merch as it has little to no upfront cost. Uh, All these cakes are fantasy themed and made by a dedicated group of gamers, nerds, and artists. Currently, they are working out of the Bermuda Rum Cake Company in Bermuda, but are working on getting a stateside bakery and gaming center up and running in the coming months and years. To find out more, you can go to their website at docglass.com slash dwarven rations. That's D-O-C-K-G-L-A-S-S dot com slash dwarven rations. Yeah. I assume if you're listening to this, you're a nerd and you know how to spell Dwarven. Yeah, I would assume. But if you don't, you can click the link in our show notes. That'll take you there. Um, We saw Spider-Man No Way Home. Yep, we did.
1: It It, was a movie.
0: It was uh, a long one. It was a long movie. I thought this movie was cute. Yeah, I agree. I am the notorious. I'm not an MCU hater. I wouldn't describe myself that way. I would describe myself as an MCU not liker which is different than a hater. I don't care about the MCU anymore. And I will say, I do not like Spider-Man MCU or MCU Spider-Man rather. I don't like it. There are reasons I don't like it. I'm sure I've talked about them before. The casting, so charming. These are the, the, the cast is so charming. I love them. I love to see them interact with each other on screen. I don't like Peter Parker Iron Man protégé. I don't like Peter Parker with access to lots of money and technology. That's not what I'm about. That's not what Peter Parker is about. Um, Now, this movie did, in the end, attempt to rectify that. And I say, thank you. (laughs) But you had three movies to do this correctly. And you can't have my love now. But I thought the movie was cute and I enjoyed watching it. The problem with Spider-Man No Way Home, so everything I liked about the movie was already done yep. in other Spider-Man movies like that it, are better than this one.
1: It finished and I turned to Missy and I said, so basically they saw uh, Into the Spider-Verse and said, yeah, we too.
0: Yeah, like, so I'm going to get into some spoilers here. So if you haven't seen it, skip forward a bit. I, and, and some of this was spoiled in the trailer, but like some of the best parts of this movie, Doc Ock. Yeah. Love that dude. He's literally from Spider-Man 2 by Sam Raimi. Okay. You know, we all know. Maybe maybe this isn't as clear if you don't know me in real life. I don't actually have a Tobey Maguire obsession, but one of my <laughs> friends joke that I have a Tobey Maguire obsession. And it's because I love the the Sam Raimi Spider-Man film so much. So when I see Tobey Maguire Spider-Man in a movie, that's my boy. He was
1: really good in it. He's
0: so he's so good. He that's, was, a,
1: that's my boy. He was so good. And he was like older and just like, Wise man. That's my boy. Wise
0: Spider-Man. That's my boy. I love him. Um, so like of course I was really excited about that. I was really excited because Spider-Man 2 is up there with my favorite superhero movies. Uh I love it. I unabashedly love it. I think it's amazing. Um I, I'm so excited to see Willem Dafoe back as Green Goblin. He's so scary. I love it. It's I true. every time he was on the screen, I was like, Yes, <laughs> there he is. He's so scary. I love him. Um, That was a delight. The multiverse stuff, really cool, but already into the Spider-Verse did it better. I'm sorry. I fucking hate Benedict Cumberbatch in his American accent with every fiber of my being. I don't, but it upsets me. (laughs) Is it like like hurt your ear? It's not even. I just don't. why Why? Why is he there? Why is Benedict Cumberbatch there? Why is anyone there? But why Benedict Cumber? Benedict Cumberbatch is not a charming man to me. I don't think that Doctor Strange is very charming, though. That's the issue. I think Do- Doctor Strange is charming. Oh, but not Benedict Cumberbatch. Doctor hmm. Strange, Doctor. Like, I haven't read a lot of Doctor Strange, so like, this is my this is my own perception. But like, I always read Doctor Strange as like a Vincent Price type, where he's like a little kooky, a little spooky, and also charming, right? Um Benedict Cumberbatch is not that. I just I don't like I don't like his portrayal. I don't like I don't like his accent. I'm sorry, that's such a mean thing to fixate on. <laughs> but I don't I don't like it. Um and I just, you know, it was cute though. I'll give it that. I thought the ending was good. Um apparently Tom Holland's on the hook for like 3 more. So even though he
1: has said he doesn't want to do any more, but they let the like they leave him to be like, oh,
0: we can do whatever now, which is what Marvel has done. He's he's literally on the hook for three more. Oh, really? Yes. I think. Well, it might be. It might have been three more, but he is on the hook for more. Oh, interesting. Um, I liked it. It was good, but um, I don't know. This movie
1: was hyped a lot, and I really did like it. Um, but I definitely wa- was watching. It and I'm like, this is literally into the Spider Verse, but not as funny. And that
0: makes it yeah. me it makes it sound like I don't like this movie, which I did. I did like this movie. I thought it was fun. I had a good time. I laughed. But like, it's definitely one of the best uh, MCU movies to come out in a yeah. while. But I can't imagine sitting there having, like, as a creator. Uh, to be fair, I didn't see Shang-Chi. But, oh, that was really good. As a creator of Into the Spider-Verse, watching this movie and being like, what? Excuse me? Like, the multiverse is not new to into the spider-verse like into the spider-verse didn't invent the the multiverse and like the crossovers and that kind of stuff that's not their thing but like the fact that this came after the success of into the spider-verse and especially after the 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 fox buyout and like the sony struggles because like sony owned the rights to spider-man and then there was like mc the marvel's gonna shut down spider-man out of the mcu because sony's being selfish and it just left a nasty nasty taste in my mouth i mean everything disney does leaves a nasty taste in my mouth but like not the food not the food, the, tri- the, the, like, almost like tribalism about the Marvel versus yeah. Sony thing. Um, and like the fact that people were like, oh no, it's actually, Di- it's actually good that Disney is going to have the rights to everything. I'm just like, it's, n- it's super not, it's super not good. And then they, then they saw the success of Into the Spider-Verse by Sony and we're like, well, we have to do that. We have to do it better. And I'm like, you just did a mediocre version of that. And it's, again, not to say that the movie was bad because I had fun watching it. It was way too long. But what Marvel movie isn't too long? Um, there's no Marvel movie out there. I'm like, that was the perfect length. Um, it was fun and it was cute. Again, the cast is always charming. But yeah. The movies are very well casted, aside from Benedict Cumberbatch. and um, And they're always fun to watch. And I liked that the ending is like, well, okay... For all you stinkers out there who won't <laughs> shut up about um, teenage Peter Parker having uh, weapons of mass destruction, fine, we'll take them all away. I just, I'm just like, it's too little, too late. Yeah, I'm just gonna go back and watch Spider Man Two again. Peace. I really did love
1: his friends, so yeah, <clears throat> and, and like how they're like, we're gonna help, and I. So it reminds me of like this TikTok I saw. <laughs> this is a weird thing to say, where it was this girl talking about. How um, about young adult novels and she's like she says something to the fact of like this is so like unrealistic like if someone came to me and was like you need to save the world I'd be like fuck you and then she goes but then I think about when I was a teenager someone came to me I'd be like yes I do need to (laughs) save the world and like that's how they felt like they felt very much like that that like yes we are gonna save the world we are teens mm-hmm. and I, I I loved them that them and the interactions between all the spider-men were really good the spider-men yeah. oh my boys <laughs> they were really good I did I didn't put it on here but I did watch the Andrew Garfield spider-man I forgot um it's not good. I did not like it It's not good. I
0: did not like Andrew it. Garfield but I love is him. such a pressure I love him He's so cute. He's so cute, he's and I think so I genuinely think he was like he was good as Spider Man. He was less good as Peter Parker. Oh, he's terrible as Peter Parker. But he's such a he's such a good. I think he is a good Spider Man. He those movies were just really hindered by being bad movies. He was a very
1: I, so he was such a good Spider Man, but he felt so different than Peter mm-hmm. Parker. And I think like it's I I think it's really cute that Spider Man and Peter Parker are the same person, mm-hmm. in like they're both. You know, there. It felt like he was putting on a persona to be mm-hmm. Spider Man, as opposed to the other. Like, doesn't really feel like Peter Parker is putting on a persona to be Spider Man. He's just <laughs> stupid. Peter Parker. Kid.
0: Peter Parker picked a persona. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, it was good. I liked it. Uh, but um, yeah, what Missy said. Yeah, it's it wasn't bad or anything. It's just. It was it was a Marvel film. It was a Marvel Cinematic Universe film. And I think that into the Spider-Verse and Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, the Sam Raimi ones, are better. Uh, and I like I'm not gonna say Spider-Man Three is better than, than No Way Home. That would be a bonker's ass thing to say. <laughs> but I will say that Spider-Man 3 takes more risks than like almost every MCU film. And We all know that I would rather watch something that tries to do something fresh and weird and fail at it than watch something focus tested to perfection. Mm -hmm. And so while I'm not going to say that Spider-Man 3 is a better movie than any Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, I haven't seen all of them. I can't vouch for that. But like, I think that Spider-Man 3 is a more interesting movie than a lot of them. So, you know... That's my spicy, spicy take. I like the Sam Raimi movies a lot. I think they're really good, especially Spider-Man 2. That's peak, peak superhero cinema for me. So I'm biased. Um, I'm going to do one more okay. and then we can go back and forth. Uh, so I watched My Fair Lady, the one with Audrey Hepburn, um, which is an adaptation of Pygmalion, which is an adaptation of the Pygmalion myth. Uh, My Fair Lady is a movie about the worst man on earth, Henry Higgins. Uh, I hate him with my life. I hate him more than anyone. Um, Henry Higgins is like a linguist or some shit. I don't know. He's a a rude Gus is what he is. And he finds Audrey Hepburn, Eliza Doolittle uh, on the street. Is she Doolittle? No, she's, Uh she's poor. She's a poor lady and she has a very thick Cockney accent. She's kind of uh classless um it's very not rude but brash and crude i would say and henry higgins being this upstanding gentleman uh it's she's all that sort of she (laughs) he makes a bet that he can turn her into a classy lady um in like six months or something and then she'll have a big societal debut and it's going to change her whole life blah, blah 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 And this is, you've probably heard the, the rain and Spain. Oh That's from this movie. Um, it is a musical and it was very charming. Uh, as I said, I hate Henry Higgins with my whole life. I hate that man. Um, I apparently in this one, they made it. So there's a bit more of a romantic connection between Henry Higgins and Eliza Doolittle. But that man's gay. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Henry Higgins is not a straight man. Him and his live in confirmed bachelor part like they use the words confirmed bachelor to, to refer to him. Um, him and his live in partner, that man's not straight and he's in a committed relationship with that other man. Um <laughs> Eliza Doolittle deserves better. Anyway, they they he does the makeover, and she's a classy lady, and then he's very mean to her, and she's like, "I deserve better than you." And I'm like, "Yeah, that's right, Eliza." I think at one point while watching, I said, "Give Eliza a gun." I was, <laughs> I was tired of listening to Henry be mean to her, um, but it was it was charming. It was fun. Uh, I did like it. It's not my favorite movie musical. Um, but there was the staging and the costumes were really wonderful, especially at the race scene. Uh, everybody's like wearing increasingly ridiculous hats because it's a horse race. <laughs> and It's just some of the wildest costuming I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, it was it was cute and I liked it. Uh, and it's very funny how many of how many adaptations of this story there are because there's My Fair Lady, which is an adaptation of Pygmalion, which is an adaptation of the Isaac. It might be Pygmalion. It might be Galatea. It's whichever one where the the sculptor falls in love with his own statue, and then <laughs> uh, th- he prays the gods, and I think one of them turns turns her into a real woman. And then, yeah, Pygmalion. Uh, Pygmalion, as I understand it, is about like how cruel he is, the the sculptor is, t- or like the the Henry Higgins or whatever is to. Um, his you know quote unquote creation and she eventually leaves him because of how cruel he is and that's kind of what happens in um my fair lady which then became pretty woman um and also things like she's all that so this is very (laughs) it's like the quintessential makeover story it was quite charming and i liked it it's not my favorite musical um but i you know it was it was a solid one um a couple of song a couple of bangers on the soundtrack um but uh yeah enjoyable overall I read Crazy Stupid
1: Bromance by Lisa K. Adams and I didn't know this but this is like the third book in the series. <laughs> but it's not one of those ones where you like you have to read the other ones. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about one of the guys. Um, and so I don't know like the full extent of this of like the back history about it but it starts it, it's these two people who are best friends. Um, I forget their names because I always do. And wh- the girl she owns a cat cafe in which she um, she had recently come forward with sexual assault allegations and had like won this big court battle with a very very popular um, chef and her and her best friend had come forward and, and so it's kind of after that I'm going to assume that that whole situation takes place in in the previous books but she owns this cat cafe that she created as um she, she turns it into a place for survivors to come and uh, she starts doing like Uh, yoga for survivors and it like take control of their own body and things like that it's very sweet and her best friend is this guy who's so deeply in love with her but he's like i can't ruin our friendship she's been through so much i just want to take care of her i love her like it's just so sweet and his friends are like you need to like you guys need to date and he's like i i can't i don't know how and they're like you need to read this romance book And they're like, what? And I guess the whole thing is because like the bromance books is like what the what the series is called. It's not called that. But but it's the whole centers around this idea of like they have this bromance book club where these guys come and they all read romance books. And I guess in the previous and and the idea is that these romance books help them fix their relationships. (laughs) I think the first one is the guy finds out that his wife has been faking orgasms. So he goes to the books to learn how to please her. Um, But,
0: (laughs) okay, okay. I think that that's such a cute premise. But like, my dude, just ask. (laughs) Well, to be fair,
1: like, he might.
0: I don't know. Okay. He might. But what what's what, <laughs> he might because um cuz if you're going to if you if you want to learn about sex from romance novels, you're going to learn some weird <laughs> shit. I I have it on my to-be read. So so it's
1: really possible that he did. Okay. Um they just make a they just make references to it. Mm-hmm. Um but it's really cute because it's the the book club is like he's finally like fine. I'll read this stupid book and they're like okay here's where you need to be at this time he's like what do you mean he's like they're like you just this is if you want to be in book club you have to be here <laughs> the first rule of book club is we don't talk about book club i'm not kidding it's like that <laughs> um he gets this warehouse he walks in and there's a spotlight on like five chairs oh my god and he has to like pledge his his life to the rules of bromance book club and how like it's so corny but it's it's so corny like this is so corny but it just was such a sweet book that it didn't matter it's like you have to challenge your toxic masculinity (laughs) and and allowing yourself to cry pushing back on pushing back on the society that told us that emotion (laughs) is that it's just so so like just eat it
0: up so good this is it reminds me of like my final conclusion in our uh our Legends of Tomorrow episode, where I'm like, the show is like not actually like really, really good, but it feels like a mediocre show from another universe where things are better than they are yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, it's so good.
1: But the whole, so, but the like the main story is she finds out that she her she finds out who her dad is. She's lived her whole life with just her mom. Her mom had passed, and she never knew who her dad was. A girl comes and sh- she finds out it's her sister, and she has to. um, First of all, comes realization that this person is her father. But second of all, the biggest reason that she came to her was because her dad needs a kidney or a liver. A kidney, you only have one liver. <laughs> he needs a right. He kidney. You have two kidneys. You have two kidneys. Yes. <laughs> he needs a kidney, and so like he kind of goes back and liver. forth <laughs> of like he the boy the guy doesn't want her to do it because it's not dangerous, but he doesn't want her to put herself in any type of danger, especially for someone who who like. He didn't know she existed, but he still has, like, animosity towards the, the father for not being there for her, especially because they struggled growing up, and he is really, really rich. Um, he also works for, like, a defense company, and um, his dad died in a – in war, like, due to some faulty, faulty weapon – and the guy ends up becoming a hacker and, like, hacks, like, defense. <laughs> and so, like, like... I love romance books. They're just like, <laughs> fuck it. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. I mean, he gets caught, like, at a young age. And now he, like, helps work for... He gets contracted out. But he also has, like, big contracts with, like, famous people and stuff. Um, but he he really hates the dad because he works for a defense company. And she has to kind of go through first of all accepting that they love each other but like does she want to do this does she want to give her kidney to a father who she never knew existed and that they're only reaching out now the father didn't the the daughter did reaching out now because they need something and is it because of that and she's like a really good person so she's like in the end it doesn't matter if that's all they need me for because I'm a good person. <laughs> um and it kind of I think it did really good job in pushing me back and forth between no, she shouldn't do this. This is stupid. The other family is treating her like garbage. She has no responsibility to these people. But then pushing me towards like okay, but the the sister really truly wants a relationship. The father seems remorseful and all this. And like, it is the right thing to do. It isn't an unsafe operation. So it did a really good job in like pushing me both ways. Um, but yeah, it was super cute. So much fun. So much fun. I absolutely adored it. I loved the boy in it. He was just a grumpy man who goes to bromance book club. Say no more. <laughs> Say no more. It's wonderful. I'm going to read the other ones and there's the next one i guess is about one of the characters named the russian and uh, i listened to this one so it was he was literally all in a russian accent it was so cute but he was very much like uh hopeless romantic and they're like running in the in the uh hospital and and they're like stop running and he just turns and goes but it's what does he say It's Grand Gesture, We must run.
0: (laughs) It's just like
1: so sweet. It's just so sweet. And um, yeah, I really like I can't. I mean, if you want something really sweet and just corny as all hell, like, like
0: this is it. It's so good. I highly recommend it. (laughs) It's good. Um, On a radically different note, (laughs) I watched Thelma and Louise, um, which I have been getting mixed up my whole life with Harold and Maude. They are different (laughs) movies with Similar endings. Um, so Thelma and Louise is about two friends. Um, one of them is married to this like annoying man. Like he's kind of like an overbearing husband with um, expectations about her role in life. And they, and the other one is uh, dating, I think, this dipshit, if I remember right. He might be a criminal. I can't remember. Anyway, they plan to go on a fun little camping trip with each other, but. Uh, they stop at a little honky-tonk in a small town. Um, and the girl with the overbearing husband lets loose and has a little, she, she drinks a lot and then she's dancing with this guy. And then um, she goes off on her own with this guy and he attempts to rape her. And the other girl comes out and kills him. Um, <laughs> and then they flee, the cops. And uh, things they start robbing people and stuff like that. So I, first of all, weirdly, this movie was directed by Ridley Scott, uh, which I did not expect. It did become my favorite Ridley Scott movie. Interesting. Because I don't really care for Ridley Scott. Sorry. Not my cup of tea. Sorry about it. Not my cup of tea. Um, I liked Thelma and Louise. It was very different than I expected. I had a good time watching it. Um, it is not, I mean, it's, it's, the the sexual assault comes pretty early and it's very brutal. It's not, uh, Hmm. it's not cutesified or anything. It's, it's brutal. Um, And uh, the rest of the movie is quite cathartic. There's a lot of conversation about like the feminism of this movie and that kind of thing. And I think that's all very valuable. Um, I am, as always, I'm pretty leery of putting anything that is the creation of like in this case directed by a man to be like a feminist masterpiece. Um, and there are reasons for that throughout the movie. Like some of the, the shots of the, um, some of the shots of the characters that I don't know, I I have, I have kind of mixed feelings about that. Not because I think the movie is anti-feminist or anything, just because I'm, I'm always leery of giving too much credit to a male director for telling a story about women. Um, which is not to say that it can't be feminist only that I'm just leery of giving it the designation, but I did like the movie quite a bit. Um, I thought it was, I liked how, how they're definitely committing crimes and they make decisions that it's kind of like, Hey, what you did was you could easily argue self-defense. Like I realized that it wasn't, quite self defense <laughs> the threat probably would have done the job but like you could have fudged that detail and gotten off on on self defense but um the fact that like they ran anyway and that I don't know I felt that it was it was complex and interesting in that way and they were like yeah these women super commit crimes um and they're sympathetic regardless of that i thought that was really effective um, and overall I really liked it. Like I said, I'm not a huge fan of Ridley Scott's movies. Um, I can respect alien for like what it is, even if it didn't do it for me. Um, but I, I really liked Thumb and Louise and I thought it was good. Um, so as long as you're like, know going into it, that it is not just a fun crime caper. It does. There is early on like a, a quite brutal sexual assault scene. Um, like it, it was enjoyable and effective in what it was doing, and I think probably for for its time, I think it it like the the things it was expressing were quite radical, um, and and effective in that sense. I've also not watched that, or I guess I, that. I feel like you. I feel like you would probably you would probably like it overall. Maybe I'll watch it. Yeah, you just have to like the 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 sexual assault is quite brutal.
1: Okay, good,
0: good to know. I'm not going to talk about Vampire's Kiss because I despise
1: that movie. Okay. <laughs> and I need to get going soon. So. Okay, I'll breeze. Because it comes down to, that was a shitty movie.
0: <laughs> I'll breeze through this last one here. Um, I also watched The Lives of Others, which Mary, you may remember from our days at Hollywood video. It came out while we worked there. I'll go look up what it looked like. You'll remember it. This is a uh, a German film that takes place in during um, the separation of East Berlin and West Berlin oh, yeah. in the 80s. Um, and it is about this artist. I think he's a playwright um, who comes under surveillance by the government uh, in East Berlin. And it's sort of this. St- it's the story of both the person doing the surveillance and the person under surveillance. Um, because over time, uh, the guy doing the surveillance starts to realize that what he is doing is unethical. At the same time as the playwright starts to work on subversive works against the government. So he wasn't initially doing anything wrong, wrong being a relative term, of course. But in this case, like he wasn't doing anything against the government in the beginning, but they continued to surveil him. And then he um, over time starts to sympathize more with the values of like subverting the East Berlin government And the guy doing the surveillance starts to sympathize more with him as a person. um, And everything starts to unravel from there. It was really good. It was really... And I had heard that when it came out, but I didn't watch it at the time. Um, But I really liked it. I thought it was really effective. I did have a little trouble following. I couldn't... I just can't tell people apart. I'm so bad at telling people apart. And that was a big problem in this movie. I could only really tell I was like okay there's the woman I know who she is that the man who looks like a cross between Kevin Spacey and Christoph Waltz is the surveillance guy and the guy with the long hair is the playwright everybody else is a fucking mystery to me um but I I really liked it I thought it was effective and um it's it's quite a serious movie um it's it's not like a fun one Uh, but if you are interested in like that sense of the surveillance and, and the, the culture and, um, that kind of thing of, you know, the, that period of history in East Berlin, um, I thought it was really good and and really effective. So it's worth a watch if you like those kinds of things, but it is, you know, it's quite serious. It's not like a, uh, a fun historical film. It's, it's, it's a serious drama, um. But effective, and and I liked it. Um, So that'll do it for this episode. You can find us online at fakiegirlscast.com, which has all of our previous episodes and a link to our podcast network, Penwich Studio. Very cool. Check them out. Um, You can also, if you like us, consider supporting us on Patreon, where for a small amount per episode, you can get cool stuff like mail. Hell yeah. Or... You can make us do an episode on a topic of your choice. Come back. Okay. That's fine. Um, All kinds of other reviews. We will also, I swear to God, do the Austin Powers episode. I cannot stress enough how the past few months have been disaster after disaster after disaster after disaster. Like literally disasters. Yeah. So we are a hot fucking mess. Um, But it will happen. We did watch the first one together. That's true. We just have to now watch the other two and actually record the damn thing. So, But it will happen. I promise. Uh, Next time, thank God, we will wash our hands of the Vampire Diaries. Um, That's coming up next, seasons five through eight, we will talk about. Uh, After that, we will be doing two Hellblazer episodes because I fucking deserve it. Um, The first one will be on the trades, Original Sins, and... Dangerous Habits, and then Marks of Woe and A Better Version of You. Uh, and then, once that's done, we'll probably, I'm also going to find the the like, the like Newcastle story for Mary, because I don't think that appears in either of the volumes that, um, that I suggested, so I'm just going to find that story as well. Uh, also, uh, after that, we will be doing an episode on the film and television versions of Hellblazer, oh, yeah. so Constantine the show starring Matt Ryan and Constantine the film starring Keanu Reeves also a babe in that movie. Don't at me. It's true. I Who would at me about... Everybody agrees with me. If you don't agree with me, You're I don't wrong. know who you are. Um, that's a... F- that... That sure is a formative attractive. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> wow. Okay. And then after that probably we'll be doing Fruit's Basket an episode on the manga series and then an episode on both anime series, but also my husband wants us to do skins, so that may come in between. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Just know that those are on the docket. Also Eclipse, unfortunate Eclipse. Whatever the third Twilight book is. Yeah, Eclipse I think is is the third one. Um Eclipse will be coming up because I can't escape teen vampires. Love it. Um, So that's what's on the docket. Um, Thanks for joining us. All right, catch on the flip
1: side where hopefully no more disasters happen. We live on a placid island of ignorance in the midst of black seas of infinity and it was not meant that we should voyage far. And yet here we are, in defiance of Lovecraft, laughing through the darkness. The Lovely Craftians is an all-ladies Call of Cthulhu actual play podcast with horror, humor, and no small amount of chaos set in an occasionally familiar modern-day Chicago. Brought to you by Wampus House Productions and the Penwich Studio Network. You can find The Lovelies on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite podcatcher or anytime over at
0: LovelyCraftians.com. And remember, you never roll sanity alone here.